0: Listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. You
1: can take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter twelve. Romans twelve, as we will continue on in our message here um, in, our, in our two-week message series, and then, Lord willing, we will pick it up again in in the new year and. Um, the ushers are coming forward. They have Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, if you would like a Bible, please take a Bible and use it here this morning, and you can feel free to take it home with you as well. And uh, these are it's important to be in God's Word and for us to be using God's Word um, here this morning so you can read along with what I have to say. We're not going to put the words up on the screen for you. We want them to see you um, in your laps, whether it be in your b- paper Bibles or whether it be on your devices. And so... Uh, we began last week this, this message series called uh, Get Real, Authentic Living in a Fake World. And, um, and, and the big thing about all of this is how do we respond as genuine Christians, genu- genuine followers of Christ in a crazy and a mixed up world. And, and last week we talked about there's a lot of fake out there. There's a lot of fake in our world and, and um, you know, there, there's various kinds of things and you just put up that picture there of all the different kind of, you know, just fake and bogus things from fake burgers to fake running shoes to Hollywood movie sets that are fake and even those muscles that are not real, you know, and, and it goes beyond that and, and sadly God's word warns us that, that there are also many fake, not genuine followers of Christ, that there are many who look the part, and a number of weeks ago we looked at Simon the sorcerer who believed, was baptized, was kind of in the church, was following along, but then we see his true colors came out and he was not saved. Well, there's other examples in scripture. Judas, the disciple of Jesus, was there right along, was doing the part, was looking the part, and, and in the end showed that he did not truly know Christ. There's other examples of that in the New Testament. And that's why in 2 Corinthians 13, Paul says, examine yourselves to see that you are in the faith. Philippians 2.12, work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. Pay attention to this. Examine your heart. What does an authentic faith look like? And and so we've been looking at, we started this last week, and we're going to continue on about how do we get real? And and, and this is what we saw uh, and in, in, in your Bibles, we're going to read this in a moment here uh, from Romans 12, because in here, and even even many of the headings in, in our Bibles will even say, marks of a true Christian for this section. And so it's important that we take a look at this. And, and, and these marks that we're talking about have to be looked upon, just not as a checklist, but in light of the other 11 chapters. We talked about that again last week. Those 11 chapters, the first part of the book of Romans, establishes the basis as to how we live like this, and why we are to live like this, because of the gospel, because of the power of the Holy Spirit in us, enabling us to live the life that we're going to be talking about this week, and what we talked about last week, and, and I, I trust that many of you took the assignment seriously last week, and wrote, and, and read through the first 11 chapters, and, and even took and wrote at the top of your Bibles, just like in this picture here, he did this for me, can't read the, the writing too too well, but, but that as you go through the first 11 just in awe and amazement, God did this for me. And so then when we come to Romans chapter 12 and and, and into what we looked at last week, I want to read that and then we'll launch into our our new part this week. And so Romans chapter 12, verse 9, in light of the gospel, in response to the gospel, here's how we are to strive to live. Verse 9, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. And so, last week, as as we take a look at the slides from, from last week and the things that we covered, that it starts, first of all, right here with me. It starts with me, let love in my own heart be genuine. May it be real and may it be authentic. And it is a love that hates evil and will cling to the good. But then it pushes out from there and it continues into this room, to the body of believers, that a genuine love that serves others. A genuine love that motivates us to passionate service. A love that is patient and prayerful and, and a love that opens our eyes to the needs around us. Now today, as we go into the next number of verses, it, if it starts here with me individually and then it continues with us here, now this kind of love is actually pushing out, outside of these the walls of this room, into our community, into our city, into our world, into the lives of people who maybe we don't necessarily like to associate with very much. Maybe it's with those people that we may even look upon as our enemies or, or who have it in for us. And so there's this pushing out, starts with me, us, and now it's moving out into beyond in how we are to love and act and react towards others. And what we are going to talk about today is, It's hard. Actually, no, it's not hard. It's impossible. It's impossible to do what I'm talking about here today on your own strength. This will take supernatural power, the power that comes from God through the Holy Spirit, for us to live this today. It will require... Other parts of God's word to help us to understand and to help us to keep our eyes on the goal and to bring understanding into us. And we need the body of Christ. We need one another in order to live what we're talking about here today. We need to at times hold one another up. Sometimes we need to, to have serious conversation or some encouragement from, from others. But also even at times receive an exhortation, even a rebuke and correction. That's what the body of Christ is for, that we walk together in authentic ways. And so here we're going to read, starting with verse 14 of Romans chapter 12. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. your enemy is hungry feed him if he's thirsty give him something to drink for by doing so you will heap burning coals on his head do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good so how do we live these truths here today i mean we could spend a month going through this and we're going to do the finish this section off here today how do we live in light of what we've just read here especially with christmas coming and christmas can be the most interesting time of the year. Some say most wonderful time. I think it's more the most interesting time of year. As people and their emotions and their stress levels are are brought to new heights and to new levels. And then there's the crazy relative that all of you have. I mean, all of us have the crazy relative, right? And and so, you know, family members, well, who's the crazy relative in our family? Well, maybe it's you. You know, and so you just got to think about that, you know. And, um, you know, but how do these commands that we hear today from God in his word, how does this relate to our enemies? How about to that person that just seems to have it out for you? That person who drives you crazy, they just have a way of getting under your skin. That person who has treated you unfairly, they've cheated you, they've damaged your reputation, they've betrayed you. How does this passage relate to that? How about to that person who breaks into your car or into your house and steals from you?
0: Well, oh, if I just caught
1: that guy, well, I... How does God's word relate to that sort of a thing? How about people from different backgrounds, a different heritage, a different skin color? How does this passage relate to the Syrian refugees that will be coming into our nation and into our city? How does this relate to the Muslim? How does this relate to ISIS and the members of that organization of terror? like what I heard recently from a pastor. He said, and maybe this applies here, I might be scaring up more rabbits today than I'm able to shoot this morning, but we're going to try, okay? There's a little humor in there. You can laugh, you know, and, um, and so, you know, or maybe you really like rabbits and don't think we should be shooting them. Well, that's okay. Just pretend they're, they're targets, you know, of some sort, you know, and so might be scaring up a few extra targets here, you know, and may not be able to shoot them all today, and yet God's word has an answer to everything I've just already said so far, and we need to dig into God's word and see Um, our response in all of these areas. But, But here we find some pretty clear instructions. To be real, to be authentic people in a fake world pushes out into our community and into our world by showing a genuine love that pursues true humility. That's the first part here in verses 14 to 16. And in verse 18, we see it. Listen in verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Now the word persecute here in in the original form in Greek isn't the meaning isn't referring just to that person who drives you crazy. You know, we all probably have that. You know that person? <laughs> That person with that irritating laugh that, you know, in the workplace or at home, and it's just like, oh, I have to endure that again. They just have the most irritating laugh. I cannot stand that. This is not the kind of persecution we're talking about. We're, we're talking beyond that. You know, those are just little irritations that come. This form of persecution is premeditated. Someone who's intending to hurt or to harm you or to cause you to suffer, how do you treat them? What do you do? Paul is taught, basically, he's taking the words of Jesus here that you read in, in Matthew 5, when Jesus said, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, those who premeditate ways to get at you. Jesus said to love them, to pray for them, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Or Luke six twenty seven, but I say to you, who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. Ultimately, we see that Jesus didn't tell us to do something he wasn't willing to do himself, and he was more than willing. And he showed us on the cross when he said, Father, forgive these people, they don't know what they're doing. The word in here, it says, okay, so so when it comes to, we're to bless those that persecute, the word bless, again, in the original, means Where we get the word eulogize or eulogy, meaning we speak well of them. Notice we're called to action here. Not just, you know what, just ignore people or just kind of move away. We are to aggressively look for ways to bless them, to speak well of them. Not just, you know, oh, if I said something, I'd regret it, so I'm not going to say anything at all. No, instead what we're to do is we are to look at ways of blessing them. Finding the good in them. You say, well, I'm going to have to dig pretty hard. Well, dig hard. You're digging enough to find all the dirt on them. Let's dig hard to find some of the good. All right, this is what God's word is called. Because it's building something as we do this in our lives. It's not the checklist. It's doing something. It will do something to us, in us, and even in their lives. Bless those who persecute you. Bless. Do not curse them. Now look at verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another. I mean, that's a very easy verse to take just in its own, just, you know what, just take it right there, right smack in the middle, verse, you know what, those verses, sweet verses, it's easy to rejoice with people we love, isn't it? When, when, when someone has a good report, they get a good job review, they come home with a good report card, they, they, they find out they're gonna be going on a holiday and, and going on a really nice trip somewhere, or they get a pay raise, or they get some really good medical news, and, and, and these kind of things, they get engaged, or, or something great happens, they get the job that they were hoping, they get into the school they were hoping to, it's hap- yay! It's, it's great to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. It's easy to rejoice with those that you genuinely love, right? It's so easy to do that and even then those that you love when they're hurting, those that you love when they're, they're sad, it's easy to enter into the weeping into the sorrow that they are going through this past week just even having a visit with Miriam Tamaki as her husband was, was, was passing from this earth and very easy, sweet woman, love that woman sweetheart so easy to enter into the, the sadness and into her sorrow with her and with the family. Easy to do. But we can't just take this verse just alone on its own. It's in light of everything that's being said here. We are to rejoice with those who persecute us. Rejoice when they're rejoicing. That's hard. How do you do that? We are to weep with them, be sad when they're sorrowful. Instead, of oh, sirs, I'm right. Sucker, make them pay for what they're doing. No, we're to rejoice with them. We are to weep with them. Hmm. Glad I didn't write this because otherwise you guys by now would be throwing stuff at me and say, get them out of here. We disagree with him this is, this is God's word to us. This is what he's saying. So we're to bless, bless speak well with those who persecute us. We are to rejoice when people rejoice, we are to weep when they weep. What, why would we do something like that? We are to do these things because God has called us to in his word. And you see, this is so unusual, but you know what? Christ has already done this to us and for us. In Ephesians 2.13, it says, But now in Christ Jesus, you were once far away, being brought near by the blood of Christ, There was a cost. It's going to cost us to do what I was just talking about, but the cost, Christ already paid the greatest price for our salvation, for our relationship with him. We once were far off. We were those persecutors. We were the ones living in our own way. And he came and he rescued us, shed his precious blood for you and for me. And so as we bless those who persecute us, rejoice with those, when they're rejoicing, weep with them. We are to seek to live in harmony. Look to get along. Figure it out. You know, as parents, you know, oftentimes parents, you know, kids are kind of scrapping and, and, and you don't want to get too involved or, or you're just like, oh, not again. And you're just like, just work it out. Come on, work it out. And that's what he's saying here, too. You know what? Work it out. Get it figured out. Work it out with others. Now, but let's be honest. When we actually do this, when we experience some victory of rejoicing with those that are rejoicing and weeping, especially those who are persecuted and not speaking well and, and being kind, as, as we even see a little later on, be kind to those who are you know, making life miserable for us, um, there can be a bit of a tendency to become proud in that. And so, look at me, I'm... Look at what I'm doing. Or else people say, oh, and that person did that to you and you're being nice to you. Oh, I'd never, well, you're a greater person than I. You're a stronger Christian than I am, I guess. And, 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 and you hear this. Now, it gives a warning here. Don't become haughty. Don't become arrogant and start thinking that you're something. Don't become proud of this. Instead, associate with the lowly. Get into their lives. Never be wise in your own sight. Don't allow conceit to happen. You say, well, you're telling me to be a doormat then, just to have people run all over me and do whatever they want. No, I'm not calling you to be a doormat. No, I'm calling you to be an elevator, someone who is taking people and helping to lift them up. Lift them up so they can experience the power and the grace of God in their lives. Verse 18, it says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. You know, there's always, you know what, there's always that one kid in the family. There's always that one person at work. There's always that, you know what, person who who should or maybe is a lawyer. They're always looking for the loopholes, right? I mean, we have, I mean, you buy a house and you've got pages of pages of legal documents to close off any loopholes, and we oftentimes try, try to do that with God's word where, you know, we'll, we'll look for the loopholes and, and, well, if you're a loophole person, well, here's one for you, okay? So, so you can be, you know what, you can rest easy that there is a bit of a loophole here. It says in verse 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. God understands that there will be people we won't be able to get along with. We won't be able to resolve all relationships with. And once you have done everything to try to resolve your conflict, and if the other party refuses, is stubborn, will have nothing to do with it, you have fulfilled your responsibility towards God, and you can let it go. But continue to pray. Don't become proud and say, well, I did, did everything I did, and you know, now I'm waiting for them. Don't become proud in that. We're told not to become proudy. Uh, haughty or, or, or proudy, I guess maybe that's a new word, or, or conceited in that. You know, in, Instead, uh, we are to, to pray, to wait, to trust that maybe one day God will work in their life and will soften their heart and there can be peace and there can be unity. And so as, as far as possible, as much as possible, as much as it to cover off your side, let them, let God work in their life. To be a real, genuine person in a fake world means we will pursue true humility. But then, next, genuine love, trust, rests in the in God's sovereignty. Okay, genuine love, loving people in a fake world means that at times we just have to rest and trust in God's sovereignty that He's in control. Verse seventeen, it says, "Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what you do to what is honorable in the sight of all." Verse 19, beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. You see, when Paul was writing these words, Christians were being crucified. This wasn't, you know, some cruise ship kind of lifestyle that Paul was living. In, and, and life was just really easy, country club style for, for, for believers. The way that it really, in a lot of ways, has been for us in North America for the last number of decades. To live the Christian life has been pretty easy in our nation. Yeah, maybe that's changing. And Paul is living in a very difficult time. Christians were being crucified, tortured, thrown into lions, dragged from their homes, being stoned, left for dead. This was not an easy time to be a Christian. And the people in Rome and and throughout the Middle East were witnesses to this great injustice. They saw what was going on and there would have been a a temptation towards vigilante justice to get in there and, and, and make others pay. When they're making you pay, take them out. Try to do whatever you can. The adage in our world that, that is, is so popular is what? Don't get mad, get. Yeah, you know it well. Because it's so natural, right? You know, I saw uh, one of the little girls in, uh, from Harvest Kids, and, 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 and she has a nice big mark on the side of her face. Little Amaya has it. And I'm like, who would ever harm a little sweetheart like that? Her brother? Of course. yes. He would, and, and I found out a few of the details that she did something, he did something, he's bigger, and whack! And next thing you know, she's got, got this nice little mark on her face. And, and, and don't you dare think, oh, what are those parents doing? Because you've all done it, and you're all still continuing to do it, hopefully not with, with hands, but we do it with our mouths. We do it with our attitudes, we do it with our emotions. When we've been hurt or harmed and injustice has taken place, we're bent towards retaliation. Harsh word is spoken, I'll give you a harsh word back. So you're driving along and someone does something to you and kind of ticks you off and maybe you're kind of quick to, to reciprocate exactly what's happened or even take it up a notch. And, and you know, I mean... This world is full of of all kinds of, I mean, even stories, books, movies. We love sitting in movie theaters like this and watching the story where some injustices happen and a person or a group of people have gotten together and have made them pay. And and we're sitting there like, yes, that's awesome. That person did that, and so now you're going to do that. And in return, you know, and, and we sit there, we laugh, we cheer. It's just like right on. That, they deserve that kind of a thing. Don't get mad, get even. But verse 17, it says, repay no one evil for evil. And this is a battle we will face probably this afternoon. Probably tomorrow and in the days ahead, you will have an opportunity because something will happen that offends, hurts you, ticks you off, kind of invade your little private time or whatever it might be. Something's going to come along and someone's going to say something and there's going to be opportunity to give it right back to them. Don't repay evil for evil. Happen in the shopping malls in this silly season, a relative, a co-worker, a fellow believer someone who we don't even know, someone who drags your name through the mud, a person who has hurt you deeply, has betrayed you, repay no one evil for evil. We don't do it. We don't get our revenge. In reality, because you know what? It doesn't solve anything. We may think it does, but it oftentimes makes things worse. Because whose level of right are we going to surrender to? Revenge or retaliation might bring about a truce, but it very, very rarely brings about peace. It very rarely brings about unity. And so Paul is saying give God back his job. Don't repay evil for evil. Let God take care of that person. Let God take care of. It. But he's not doing it. Yet yeah, he may not do it in the time frame that you like. He may not do it in your lifetime, in that person's lifetime, but God will have the final say in every situation everyone that's his justice God is a God of love he's a God of wrath but he's also a God of supreme justice listen in Nahum chapter 1 I want to read a few few verses for you it says the Lord is a jealous and avenging God The Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on his adversaries and keeps wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power, and the Lord will will by no means clear the guilty. People who've created great atrocities in our world, people like Hitler. You know, if you're an atheist, it would be pretty hard to, to actually put your head on the pillow at night in and to realize that someone like Hitler or Saddam Hussein or others who have, have brutally massacred or have injured people will ever receive justice, never happen, if you're an atheist. But under God, he by no means will he clear the guilty who can stand before his indignation, it says in verse 6. Who can endure the, the heat of his anger? His wrath is poured out like fire and the rocks are broken into pieces by him. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who are his and take refuge, who take refuge in him. But with an overflowing flood, he will make a complete end of his adversaries and will pursue his enemies into the darkness. No one is going to get away. May not seem fair here on this earth, but no one will get away. You will not get away with whatever it is you may be doing. God will have the final say. In Revelation 15, I encourage you to read that. In fascinating passage of scripture there. We see the wrath of God. We see it in the bulls. We see it in the judgments that are there. And there we see just and true are your ways, O God, that one day the saints, that those who are in heaven, we will be worshiping. And we, one of the songs that we will be worshiping will be, just and true are your ways, O God. You have dealt fairly with me. You have dealt fairly with others. And you know how he deals fairly with you? Jesus. Because you cannot stand without him. Jesus has taken it for for us. He has taken what we deserve, not just the pain and the suffering of the brutality of the cross that he endured. But he took on the wrath of God. Read about the wrath of God there in Revelations 15 and 16. It's awful. It's terrible. He took that upon himself. That's what you deserve. That's what I deserve. But when some, someone's got to pay, someone's got to pay for your sins, someone's got to pay for the sins of the people out there. And either you pay through Jesus here on this earth by submitting yourselves, as Tony in his testimony, he got on his knees and surrendered his life, To Jesus Christ. And right there the wrath of God was taken off of Tony's shoulders. But one day. All those who. And this is scary. Those who do not know Christ. Those who have not surrendered. Submitted themselves to Christ. Will stand before God and give an account. And yes there will be different levels of the judgment that will be received. But still there is the separation from God. This is serious, serious business. Just and true are your ways, O oh God. God is faithful. He is just. And by re- refusing to take revenge, you are leaving room for God to exercise his judgment and wrath. We get in there and we mess it up and God's like, okay, hey, you've kind of taken care of this. You're on your own. This is why we don't repay evil for evil even though everything in our society and our world and our friends and our family at times will say, come on, get him. We don't repay evil for evil. His justice will have an earthly consequence, will at times have earthly consequences but more it will be in eternity. God's justice will not be seen clearly and good enough for our liking here on this earth. But it will in eternity. He is just and he is true. God's judgments are unfathomable, beyond our infinite minds. The gospel does not leave sin unpunished. Any sin, all sin, big or small, is an offense to God. And every sin will be exposed and punished. And either it will be taken on because in our lives because of the cross, because of what Christ has done, because we have received that work, or we will face the judgment before God. You know what, most of us can probably all think back to times in our life where we were mistreated by another. Maybe you're still dealing with that situation, or it just won't, you just can't let go of it. And and we've gotten mad and we've gotten even, and and perhaps we've even felt vindicated, so to speak, and we kinda even came out on top. We made them pay. Oh yeah. And we walked away thinking this is good, and, 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 and vindicated, and, and high-fiving, and, and rejoicing, and yet you still feel kind of dirty. That's what happens when we try to take our own personal revenge and don't leave room for God to do it. That's something that he is to do. Every sin will be exposed. We are not to repay. We are not to avenge ourselves. We let God do it, and it's hard, and that's why we need others to stand with us holding up the word of God, not just bending to emotion and just like, well, yeah, I guess you're justified. If, if that happened to me, I'd be just, you know, and no, we've got to look to God's word and what does God's word have to say? I remember back years ago in an epic battle that I was in, I was hurt, I was wounded, I was humiliated, I was, felt betrayed, I, I just, just felt kind of like just out there and, 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 and oh, just the revenge and what I wanted to do and, and what I was asking, I mean, just wanting to, to even just get in there and, 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 and settle the score and, and, and give my side and, and all of these things. And I remember it came down to an epic battle, one night laying in bed, and It was a terrible battle. It, it went on for hours because, I mean, I was building the case. I was building it all in my mind. I was planning my revenge, and it was kind of like at the very end, and, you know, just that kind of like, and pow! yes, this is awesome, you know. And um, And in the midst of all of that, I continued to keep hearing from God. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And then I'd be back and planning and all of a sudden I'd keep hearing, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. I will repay. And by the end of that night, I I didn't sleep much that night, but at the end of the night I said, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. And there was that determination and, and was it just easy sailing from there and it was just this kumbaya kind of thing, you know, and just like, okay, God's good. You no, know? I needed friends, I needed those to stand with me to, to make, you know what, to, to hold me accountable, to walk with me through that because then there was times where it was coming back and I wanted to, I wanted to pay, I wanted to make others pay. It was not easy and yet you leave it in God's hands and and you see what he can do, in and through that. We'll make a mess of it every time. I think of years ago is um, this was another situation where I, I kind of had it out with a um, someone in in the church I was at, uh, just when I was a youth pastor, you know. And uh, this person kind of tore a bit of a strip off me, and I was kind of thinking, well, you don't understand. Like I mean, we were doing a ministry thing here, and 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 I kind of shot back a little. Little, little bit back towards him, you know, kind of like, yeah, this is where it goes. The next thing you know, my senior pastor was calling a meeting. And, and, and this guy, I mean, it, it, it was kind of comical in some ways now when I look back at it, because he was sitting behind the desk with the senior pastor in this meeting with his arms crossed. And I'm sitting on the other side, and he's telling what I did. And, and in that moment, I mean, it was, it was battle on, and yet there was something that just says, just take the low road which isn't easy to do and which I don't always do, I'll, I'll admit it, but this time it was a victory. And I'm thankful for that. And as I took the low road and I didn't fight back and I apologized to him and took ownership for my disrespect and for what I said, and, and yeah, there was a part of me, I went downstairs afterwards and we had these metal chairs like old churches seem to have, these old metal chairs, and I was stacking them and I was stacking them with very, a lot of gusto. Like, I mean, I was stacking those things. Senior pastor comes down after, he says, that was hard but you did the right thing. I said, well, it didn't feel like the right thing. He says, you did the right thing. I said, well, if you, you know, and, and again, the lawyer wants to one side of me and it's like, you did the right thing. Such a blessing. It was years later. We moved to Alberta. That guy came with my father-in-law and he finished off our basement. And he, he came and served our family and did something like that in just a sweet way that would have never happened if I would engage him in a fight. There would have been a great, War that went on, reminded him of that, told him I've used them as a sermon illustration a few times. He can't even remember it. You know, and it's just funny how, how God works, right? And, well, he remembers working in my basement. He doesn't forget that, but he forgets the exchange. And, and it, it's done, right? And, and how God, God, God works in incredible ways when we refuse not to fight. There is a time, we'll get to it, there is a time for justice, there is. This doesn't mean you encounter abuse, When the law is being broken, it needs to be reported. We have a justice system, and we'll talk about that. But God's word slams the door on us, taking revenge. Martin Luther said, when we can't understand the hidden God, the hidden ways of God, with times when God doesn't seem to be making sense, that is when we need to look at the revealed God. And who's the revealed God? Jesus. We look to Jesus. We look at how he endured. We look to see what he did when he was here on this, or he faced everything we face. And yet was without sin. Insults, abuse, torture. He never fought back. He died willingly. And look at the results. Pretty amazing. You folks are here today. Part of the results of that. Finally, to be real people in a fake world, genuine love blesses our enemies. And... In verse 20 it says, To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so you will reap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil, but overcome evil with good. Paul doesn't encourage passive, a passive response to, to this evil, but instead he's like, get on the offensive. Get it, get out there. Just don't run from it. Just don't coward. Just don't zip your lip. Get on the offensive. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. If he's hungry, feed him. I'll get really paranoid, really nervous if a whole bunch of you bring me food after the service today, okay? I, I will be. I'm sorry if that happens, and I guess we'll have something to talk about, you know? But, but, but it says here, you know, like, I mean, get on this. Get on the offensive. God has first, God was the one that came rushing towards us. And so we respond by going rushing towards others who are our enemies, I wonder today as we look over all that we've covered in these last two weeks, who is the person in your life? Who is that situation that you need to apply these truths to? And you say, oh, it's a list, Mel, and it's longer than my Christmas list. Make the list. Folks, this is where the rubber meets the road. Who is it? What's the situation? What's the thing that's eating at you? What's the thing that's causing you anxiety and you don't know how to deal with that person and and that person who just gets under the skin, the person who betrayed you? Maybe it happened 15, 20 years ago. Let it go and be free. Look for ways to bless them. Look for ways to, to rejoice with them. How hard is that? Hard, impossible on your power, your strength. But through the spirit of God and the word of God and the people of God, we've got We've got a force behind us and with us. You need others to, you can say, hey, help me, pray with me. I want to, as you leave here today, you're going to, to receive one of these orange sheets and um, just put the, the short form of it up on the screen there. How to show genuine love to a difficult person. And, and there's more detail in here. First of all, pray for your own heart. Pray for them. Move towards them, not away from them. Find specific ways to bless and encourage them. Give grace to them, just as God extends grace to you. Realize that you too could be the difficult person in someone else's life. That's humility. This is what it's about. So on this one side, there's a further help and some explanation and some scripture verses. And on the back side is this passage that we've gone through in the last two weeks. I encourage you to take this, read it, keep it somewhere. Every morning. You know how we are... We premeditate our revenge or we talk about our revenge or we go to bed thinking, oh, if I just did this. And it it almost gives us this sick kind of joy, even though we'll never reenact that revenge, but just even the sick kind of joy or or, or satisfaction and just plotting it and what would happen. (laughs) That evil kind of laugh. Premeditate ways that we can bless. Encourage, be prepared. Going into the Christmas season, you need to know these verses and read them often. Great passage of scripture to memorize here in Romans 12. Many of you may be familiar with the story of Dave and Amanda Blackburn. Dave Blackburn is a pastor in Indiana, and here in this picture of him and his wife and their one-year-old son, and she's pregnant with, in this picture here, with child number two. I believe it was on November 10th, some Uh, Robbers broke into the house when he left to go to the gym in the early morning, and they broke in to steal from her, stole a bank card. And while one of them went off to go get money with a bank card, she was brutally, brutally beaten, raped, and killed while her one year old son lay asleep in his crib. It's a sad, sad story. I remember seeing the news and, and the articles. I have a cousin who lives in Indiana, and she was posting things. And, and just saying, God, you've got to help them catch those guys who did that. A few days later, the men were arrested. Two of them. Here's what this pastor had to say. He says, though it does not undo the pain we are feeling, I was extremely relieved to get the news of the arrest of Amanda's killer. The investigators have assured me that they have solidly built a case to ensure justice is levied and the process is expedited. My hope is for three things in the weeks and months to come. Number one, that the court system would have wisdom on how to prosecute this man so that no one else, so no one else endures the pain Amanda and our family have had to endure because of his actions. He's calling for justice. Number two, that through all of this, and although there will be great consequences for his actions, he would become truly sorry for what he has done and would even begin to experience the life-transforming power of the grace and mercy of Jesus. He's calling out for justification, for God to do that legal work in his heart, where his sins are forgiven. And thirdly, that Jesus would give me and our family a heart of forgiveness Though everything inside me wants to hate, be angry, and slip into despair, I choose the route of forgiveness, grace, and hope. You can hear that in his own words, even right now.
0: Forgiveness is really interesting in that it's not a it's not a feeling, and I feel like that that if you wait to, to feel like you're ready to forgive, then you're never really going to be able to forgive. Because when someone inflicts pain on you or, or a, a, an offense this grave, um, I, don't, I don't feel like you ever feel like forgiving. Um, but, you know, one of the things I learned from Amanda and, and that, that we really learn as we walk with Jesus is that if we were to make all of our decisions based on emotions, then we yeah. would live a miserable life. This world would be even worse than what it is right now. And so although we don't feel like forgiving, what mm-hmm. we feel like is is anger and hatred and rage and loneliness and confusion. We choose to forgive and and the thing is about forgiveness is it's a it's a daily decision we're gonna have to wake up every single day and face that decision over and over and over for the rest of our lives and I just don't I don't want to live my life going down the path of bitterness because it will destroy my soul and it will destroy everybody around me if I choose that and so so today I choose forgiveness and I pray that tomorrow I can wake up and choose forgiveness by the power of Jesus Christ. You know, one of, the, one of the things about Jesus is when, when they were inflicting way more pain than any of us could imagine on him on the cross, he looked out and he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. And so that spirit lives in us. And we're just praying that God sure. um, through his, his, his spirit would help us in that.
1: See, that's the power of the Holy Spirit at work in a child of God who has chosen to forgive and will continue to keep choosing and needs his church family around him to pray for him, that bitterness doesn't take over. What are you facing today? Probably is not quite that significant, but what's going on can what you are facing can easily eat away and destroy the joy in the life that God has for you. And it just isn't going to destroy you, it's going to destroy those around you. Everyone will experience the effects of Bitterness and unforgiveness and a vengeful heart. What are we to do with the Syrian refugees that will be coming into our land? What do we do about Muslims that we may know? How are we to think about members of ISIS in in light of this passage? First of all, people, like what we heard here in, in his response, is we are to be people of justice and justification. As this pastor was seeking justice for that man who killed his his wife and an unborn child, he's also praying for justification that God would do a work, that these men would call out to God for mercy. That true justice wouldn't be just served here on this earth, but that they would come to know Christ, truly repent. And you say, they don't deserve it. None of us deserve it. That's the thing. Because all sin, the, the tiniest of sin is an offense to God. And yes, this is a major offense to take a life, take two lives. And yet, think about it if these men were to truly repent and experience God's grace and mercy and forgiveness, and this relationship that is so disastrous becomes one that is an example of God's mercy and healing power and strength, that sends a powerful message. I want to be clear that, again, just in saying if someone is being hurt or harmed in any way, that it it has to be, we are to be people of justice. If we're seeing a law being broken, we have to report it that 's what it's called and, and and even in Romans thirteen we see the passage here about uh, about praying for and our governing officials they have been given our our government leaders we are to pray for them for for those in control of our justice system, police officers, those serving in our armies and that these are people who are taking a degree of god 's judgment and they are to to put that out on the land they are to to, to show that and, and to live that and to have a justice system that is right and fair. But is it right or fair? No, not completely. Why? Because we're imperfect. One day it will all be right, but today it won't be. But we pray for our government leaders, for those who keep the peace in our land to make wise decisions. We pray that as they deal with justice, they would deal, with, with, deal in areas of justice, that, that it would be with great wisdom. When it comes to ISIS, we, we pray that, that justice would be done, that the, the hurting and what they are doing in our world, it comes to an end. We pray for the protection of God over our land, over our people, of those that are involved in these kind of situations. We pray for God's protection over our own families, over our lives. And as the Syrians come, we welcome them and we show them the love of God. You might say, but how do we? I I heard some people talking, oh, terribly in a Tim Hortons yesterday about the Syrian people it was terrible folks think about this how oftentimes if you've grown up in church you have been a part of you have seen the sending of missionaries and their families into very dangerous areas in our world very you know I mean with illness with disease with coups possibly happening in the land and we've sent them out and we've prayed for God's protection and and that God would use them over in that land folks the people are coming to us we get to be missionaries to the people that come to our land. And how will they see Jesus if we don't show the love of Jesus to them? They, their lives could be turned around for the sake of the gospel. Because of our love, we show love. We pray for protection. We for, pray for, for justice and for wise decisions to be made. For the Muslims. For, did you know? I mean, even ISIS. Paul the Apostle was a terrorist. He was killing Christians. And he radically was transformed on the road to Damascus. We pray that, that ISIS, either they experience God in a powerful way in their lives or they experience the hand of God's justice so that they can't hurt or harm others. But that's how we live. That's how we, we pray that there would be many that would come to know Christ. This I was just reading this this week, uh, Christianity Today. Now just listen to this, all right? And with this, I'm going to wrap up. You have um, over the centuries... You have virtually, over the last um, 12 centuries or so, virtually no movement of God in the Muslim communities, in the Muslim nations, and, and in, the, in, in the Muslim regions throughout our world. In the, last 12, in the first 12 years of this century, there have been 69 movements, and a movement is at least 1,000 baptized believers and 100 churches planted. In the last 12 years, there have been 69 of these movements worldwide. Muslim people are coming to faith. Why? Because of the internet. They're seeing the violence or what's going on, and they don't want to have anything to do with it. They're also experiencing the gospel. They're hearing the gospel being proclaimed, and they're experiencing in dramatic ways visions of Jesus Christ, and he's calling them. There are Muslims today that will turn their hearts over to Jesus Christ. We pray for them. We pray for their salvation. We, we pray that, that God would do a work in their lives. This is the mission field coming to us. We can't do any of this, what God's calling us to do on our own. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need daily to start the day in the word of God, have a passion for the word and realize, I can't, but God, through you, I can. Taking his word, taking passages like this and, and allowing our minds to, to go through that. Asking him to do that, let's pray father i pray for each person here today as each one of us where we face and we will face certain battles this next week opportunities to repay evil for evil and either we have a choice to to run into evil even further and to embrace that or to start to repay evil with good i pray that even in the weeks ahead we would see with humility, a a noticeable change in our own lives and how we act and react towards others. And it's all because of you. It's because of your grace, because you have acted and reacted with extreme mercy and love towards us that even while we were yet sinners, you died. You bore the pain and the suffering and, and one day you will make all things right. Your ways are just and true. And Lord, we do recognize though that we do need you in this. Every hour we need you. May this be even now as there's different things floating around in the minds of people here today that we would take this truth to heart.